Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Perg Zion, Pasuk Chav Zion, Chapter 7, Verse 27. Re'ezeh Matsasi. Behold, this I have found. Amra Koheles. Says Koheles, declares Koheles. Achas leachas limso cheshbon. One to one to find a calculation. Let's see the Targum. Chazay Dain Ovada. Look at this. Deed or act, the Ashkochis that I have found, Amra Koheles, says Koheles. Koheles, as we saw in the beginning of Koheles, comes from the word Kahal, to gather or a gathering. He is the gatherer of various forms of wisdom, particularly the paradox. And we are informed here to look. Look at this that I have found. The idea of looking is to see something it's a very tangible perception. Concrete. Demiskere Shlomo Malko di Israel. Targum fills us in. Koheles is a title for Solomon, king of Israel. Just in case you forgot, it did happen. It was seven in the beginning of seven chapters ago, so... That's who we're referring to over here, the King Solomon. Kavnes Mazlayo Chado Imchaverto. The Lushan Kavnes is like the same word as Kivun, a direction. The direction of fortune, one with its friend. Lemishkach Cheshbon Bne Nasha to find the calculation of people, the sons of man, what will be at their end? Pretty cryptic in Targum as well. What is Shlomo Melech telling us to look at? Look at something that he sees, that he has found. He's telling us to, on the one hand, look at the direction of Mazel. Mazel is fortune. One with its friend to find the calculation of man what will be in their end. That what will be the assessment of people. Assessment implies judgment. How does that interact with mazel, with fortune. I think he's also, it's, it's complex because mazlaya, the fortune of chada im chaverta, one with its friend, there's a confluence of factors, a constellation, if you will, of fortune. Fortune is not just one thing, it's not binary. It's a whole constellation of fortune, and through that constellation, a person can generate an assessment about people. What will be at their end? 
So it's not rejecting autonomy. Certainly people have choices. But the influences, the confluence of the person's influences does have a powerful impact that can yield an understanding of end results. So I give a, a basic example of this that our sages describe a person who has a tendency towards bloodshed. And that can find an expression based on the person's choice to become a murderer, to become a shochet, to become a mohel. All of these actions that a person can choose entail an element of bloodshed, which can be a facet of a person's mazel, but the morality of how that will actually play out is up to the person. Maybe they'll become a surgeon and help people through an element of bloodshed. Perhaps they'll draw blood to help for a blood bank. Right There, there are a whole slew of ways that this mazel can actually be implemented, if you will, at the end. And Shlomo Melch is telling us that if a person has adequate insight into the constellation of fortune, fortunes, one with its friend, then a calculation of what will be at the end for people to a degree can be made. And this is not in, in conflict with autonomy or with responsibility, but it doesn't deny our influences either. We do have influences, but we have the choices on how to take those influences and implement our proclivities, uh, the influences, how will we respond to those influences? Let's see how Rashi interprets this. Where is the verse again? Chapter 7, verse 27. Re'eze matsasi amra koheles. Behold, this I have found, declares koheles. Achas le'achas, one to one, limtso cheshvan, to find the calculation. Kol ha-mitzvos shehat tzadikim osim, all of the commands that the righteous do and fulfill, and the transgressions, they are all counted before the Holy One, blessed be He, all of the acts of righteousness and all of the transgressions. Achas le'achas, achas al-achas, Rashi says, one by one. Ad shemitztarfos l'cheshven gadol, until there's an accumulation of a great number. Kach pirshu rabbosein ub mesechah sotah, 
This is in accord with the explanation of our masters in the tractate of Sota, 8b. And this idea of a compilation of deeds, both righteous and wicked, not just on the individual level, but on a societal level. This is something that is an insight that there, there is a superorganism of the society that incorporates both righteous and wicked. Nobody's holy one or the other. Ramam says everybody has some deeds that are righteous and some deeds that are sinful. Each person has their own balance. Hopefully, we're striving to be as righteous as we can and do teshuva when we fall short of that goal. But the superstructure, the superorganism, looks at all of the deeds of the people within the society. They are counted before God to a large calculation. The society is judged. The conglomerate of the righteous and the wicked that are members of one society, everything goes into a calculation by God, of course, for judgment. I would suggest that the perspective that King Solomon has as the king within his society gives him a unique sense of the superorganism of the ancient kingdom of Israel. And that is why he's saying, Behold, this is what I have found. He is glimpsing the superorganism that, of course, is subject to judgment. It's not just on a granular level, each person as an island unto himself. But there is a society, and there is judgment by God for that society. And Kohelis, the gatherer, he is the gatherer of that society. He's a focal point. They all have him as their king. So he is very close to the pulse of this superorganism and the responsibility for it and a sense that there is judgment of the whole. Amra Kohelis continues Rashi. Amra Kavutsos HaChachma. So declares the gathering of wisdom. Wisdom is future oriented, seeing. Roa es hanolad, what will be forthcoming? The Amra nafsho amaskeles hamikabetes hachachma. So Rashi is leading us into the discussion he's about to have of the grammar here. Amra is feminine, and we are talking about King Solomon. So Rashi explains, Amra Kvutsos HaChachma is a de declaration that comes forth from the gathering up of wisdom. And the one making this declaration is his spirit, his soul that is 
the intellect that has gathered this wisdom. So this gathering of wisdom personified is issuing this declaration. It's not coming from power, it's coming from wisdom. Koheles, continues Rashi, Loshin Nekevohi, it's feminine. Ukishu Omro Loshin Zohar, when it's stated in the masculine form, Mosef Al-Hakovtsa, then it would be going on, the one who has a made, who has amassed this gathering of wisdom, Vuhushlomo, and that would be referring to King Solomon, which is what you would expect. Here, when it says, Amra Koheles, so declares the gatherer in the feminine, it's going on the feminine gathering of wisdom, Kfutsas HaChachma, not the man, Shlomo, that was the gatherer of that wisdom. So it's the wisdom itself speaking, as it were. Uve Medris, Matsino, we found in Midrashic interpretation, Amr Abi Yirmiya, Ben Alazar, Ruach HaKodesh, Pa'amim, Masicha Beloshan Zohar, the Holy Spirit, at times, communicates in a masculine tongue, literally, in a masculine form of communication, Pa'amim, Masicha Beloshan and sometimes speaks conveying in a feminine form. Kosov Echad Omer Ezri Omefalti Ato Kosov Echad Omer Ezrosi Omefalti Ato Kosov Echad Omer Mevase Mashmia Shalom Kosov Echad Omer Mevaseres Zion. So we've brought a slew of verses that depict Ruach HaKodesh making a speech or declaration in the masculine or the feminine form. Both are appropriate, depending on the context. Let's take a look at the Matsudas David. Re'ezet. Look at this. Ha'omer b'sof ha'mikra. What is discussed at the end of the verse, the calculation. Amra Koheles declares the gatherer, or the gathering of wisdom we saw in Rashi. Amra Nefesh Shel Hamakabits Hadeos. This is a declaration of the soul of the gatherer of different Deos Hamisnagdos, different perspectives. In parentheses, Omar ke'acher hamedaber chein der hamikra harbe beharbe mikomos. It sounds like he's describing, perhaps a third person form of speech. Achas la'achas limtso cheshbon. one-to-one to, one, to find a calculation. Eilim so machsheves bina. Understanding cannot be found ki'im laharich achas alachas unless there is an evaluation on point by point. Rotzeloma laharich davar elefucho. In order to achieve bina, a person has to turn something over looking at one idea and its opposite. Only by doing that will a person be able to evaluate what is more appropriate, what is better. To make an evaluation, a person has to employ the tool of considering the various counterfactuals. Nothing has happened yet. You're contemplating what happens if I do X? What happens if I do Y? 
What happens if I do nothing? Whatever the case may be, considering what the totsos, what the results will be, will help a person achieve the bina, the haskala of what is the best step forward. So that's limso cheshman, to find a calculation, to make a valuable calculation requires achas le'achas, the way Mitzudas David is explaining it, is to consider opposing possibilities. And the idea of Koheles, the gatherer from seemingly divergent perspectives and in actuality divergent ideas, finding the truth that underlies anything reasonable. The question is, where is it ideal? Where is it not called for? That's something that requires the Bina of Kohelis, the gatherer, King Solomon, wisest of men. Let's take a look at the Sfarno. Re'eze Matsasi. See this that I have found. Sha'avera Gerer Savera. That sin brings in its wake more sin. Achas le'achas, one to one. One sin draws forth another. Sins are gateway to further sin. And what is defined is that this applies to all forms of sin. It doesn't really matter which sin. They all can become habitual and every sin encourages more sin. Makes it easier to do future sin. Limtso cheshbon, to find an accounting. Kishabikashti limtso mispar. When I sought to find a number, nechshav manoshim biamenu shaloyikrlehemze. It is thought by people in our days that this will not happen to them. Meaning an, an accounting of sin is something that people don't think about, don't think is going to happen. When he says, Biamenu, in our days, it sounds like he is working with the idea that Rashi introduced of a larger societal consideration and this underlies the philosophy of what they call kicking the can down the road. Who cares about deficit spending in a pathological way, stealing from the future? Don't think about the future. Nothing bad is going to happen now, in our times. That flawed way of thinking is typical of a sin drawing more sin in its wake. Don't consider consequences. Right? The the Mishnah of us tells us the opposite. To not fall into the clutches of sin, consider the consequences. Let's see the Talumus Chachma. Re'eze Matsasi. Achas le'achas. Omer she'matsa afilu mitzvah. She'tzivonis barach shemo. He declares that he's found even a command 
that is commanded by the Holy One, blessed be He, She'ikra b'shvil acheres, that its primary purpose is for another, Kigon, lo yarbe lo susim, lo yoshe The Torah says about the king, do not amass excess horses and to not return the nation to Egypt. So these are mitzvot in the Torah. And the purpose of not amassing excess horses is to ensure that the Jewish people are not brought back down to Egypt. Even if someone transgresses on the cause and not what brings about the result, even for this, there's a need for an accounting. And for this, it's necessary to learn and be meticulous, great, great concern for the commands of the one who is blessed, his name is blessed, to ensure that we don't transgress the law or the spirit of the law. We need to be meticulous with the laws. Let's take a look at the Medrash. We have some Midrashim going back to previous Psukim, which I wanted to catch up on. It's working on the verse, Omati Echkama V'hirachoka. King Solomon is recognizing that in spite of seeking wisdom, Rechoka Mimeni, it is distant from me. Let's see how he gets there. How he works on that verse. This is a facet of wisdom speaking to the trees. Can a person speak to the trees? Rather, King Solomon says, Why is it that the afflicted one with tsaras, the skin affliction, achieves purity through both the tallest of the tall and the shortest of the short? With the branch of the cedar as well as the hyssop, lowly bush. If a person has elevated himself like a cedar, then he will be struck with the affliction of tsuraas. And if he makes himself smaller, mashpilo, humbles himself, ka'ezov, shehunamoch, to be like the hyssop, which is low, sofo lisrapos. In the end, he will be healed. So by the mitzara, taking in his hand both of these branches, he achieves tara. He grasps the problem and the solution. That's the speaking to the trees, as it were, is deriving the communication of the message from them to heal himself. And similarly, why is it that the larger animals become permissible through the shechita, the kosher slaughter of two simonim, both the windpipe and the esophagus, 
but poultry only require the severance in the right way of just one of them. Rather, it is because the larger animals were created from the dry land and the birds from the ocean. Since that was taught by Bar Kapara, birds were created from mud. Rabbi Avin Bishem Rabbi Shmuel Kapodkia Rabbi Avin in the name of Rabbi Shmuel from Kapodkia Omar Diragloi de Tarnagolta Damion Lachaspanisa de Nuna He said that the feet of a chicken are similar to the scales of a fish. There's a scaliness that shows a certain similarity supporting this idea that birds are also like fish from the water, or at least partially from the water. Vial Horemes Omar Mipnema Shmonashrotsim Shvetara Hatsod Machova Behem Shavis Chayev. Concerning the creeping creatures, why for eight, the eight shrotsim that the Torah delineates, if one catches them and wounds them on Shabbos, there's liability. It's considered a violation of Shabbos. But other types of creatures that are like insects, one would be exempt because they have skins. These eight have skins. So the chavola is, the, the wound is considered a, a greater act, if you will, for Shabbos purposes, wounding with a skin. The aladogim omar, and Concerning the fish, it stated, Why is it that all of the larger creatures, the wild animals, and poultry all require to have a kosher slaughter? In contrast, fish do not. It's derived from this verse, Hatson the flocks and the cattle shall be slaughtered. In contrast, by fish, it doesn't talk about slaughter, it talks about gathering in. They need to be gathered in. So there's no need for shechita by birds, by fish. So that's the background, that's the halacha. And now we have a story. There's a certain fellow named Yaakov. He's a man of a certain village, Nevuria, and he gave the following hurrah ruling in Tyre, the city north in, in Lebanon, modern Lebanon. Ve'al hadogim he said that fish do require kosher slaughter. Very wild sack. Shoma Rabbi Chagai. Rabbi Chagai heard about this. Shalach v'aisine. He sent for him to be brought before his court. Amar minhon horesa. Rabbi Chagai interrogated this fellow, Yaakov Ishkfar Nevuria. He said, Where did you get that from? From where are you issuing this ruling? Amale Minhan, from the following, Tirsiv, as it says in the verse, in Bereshis, Yishutsra Maim, Sheretz Nefesh Chaya Vaof Yofef. 
and the waters shall swarm with the spirit of life of the wild and the birds shall fly ma'of ton shchita just as birds require kosher slaughter avdogim to shchita so too fish he claimed required shchita so after he finished the shtikl Terra, Rabbi Chagai heard him out and issued his ruling. Omar, Abbe'ine de Give him 40 lashes. That was his response. He said, that was, that's your psak? Malchus. Omar, Barnashta Amar Milsa Minoraisa Yilki. This fellow, Yaakov Ishkvar Nevuria. He asked a question. He says, A man says something from the Torah should get lashes. Amarle lo horesa tavos. He said, You did not give a good psak. Two thumbs down. You get Malchus. Amarle, Minohan. So he asked back, Where are you coming from? Yaakov Ishkfar Nevuria doesn't want to go down without a fight. You ask me on my psak mechatesi. I'm asking you on your psak mechatesi. Amale minhacha. Hatzon uvakar ishachit lahem. He says, here is the, the true source of the halacha, which, how do you know? what requires shechita and what does not. The flock and cattle shall be slaughtered for them. Hai b'shechita v'hai basifa. So, the ones that are described as needing slaughter are the flocks and the cattle. V'chulu. But, by the by the Yaakov, Ish, Kefar, Nevuria, wants to know a proof that fish do not need shechita. Since you're so convinced that I'm wrong, bring me a proof that you're right. So Rabbi Chagai brings a proof from this Pasik that shechita is only said by the Tzonu Vakar, and you have Asifa described for the fish. Omar chavot chavotach. And he said, strike your strike. Dehu tava bikilota. Because it helps, it's good for absorption. It's a bit ambiguous who is speaking. Strike your strike. It sounds like it is Yaakov Ishkfar Nevuria speaking that he is willing to accept being struck. But regardless, whoever is actually making this declaration is recognizing that sometimes it takes getting hit to learn one's lesson. That will help absorb the message. So whether he's accepting it as a form of penitence or whether Rabbi Chagai is saying this is going to help you learn your lesson, whichever side is saying it, the implication is that sometimes it's not enough just to hear a good Shtikultera, but at times, a person might need to actually take a blow to really absorb a message. And the next story has a similar idea, again with the same participants. Her Yaakov Ishkfar Nevuria Batsur. This fellow, Yaakov Ishkfar Nevuria, he likes to give psakim in the city of Tyre. Another wild sack. So besides making sure that they shecht 
their fish, he has another psak. He said that the son of a non-Jewish woman should be circumcised on Shabbos. Shama Rebbe Chagai, Rebbe Chagai got wind of this bad psak. Vaisine, and he brought him in, hauled him in. Amarle, minhan haresa. He says, let me hear your shtickle tire. Where are you coming from? Where did you get this psak? Do a mila. You're the son of this Gentile. Haitochin. Where are you coming from? Tersiv, v'isyaldu al mishpochosa. As is written, and it shall be born on their families, those that are born to their families are subject to Mila. Uksiv, Yelid Bayes, Omegnas Kesef. Who is subject to Mila? Not only from the family, but also those born in the household, or even slaves purchased outright, not even born into the household. So therefore you see Mila is not just a close family affair, but also part of the household, also an acquired slave. So somehow this translates into it according to Yaakov, Ishkvar Nevuria, a requirement to do Mila that pushes aside Shabbos observance. Chavola is a prohibition on Shabbos to do circumcision, cause a wound. But he understands that the requisite of Mila that includes Yilid Bayes, Miknas Kesef, will also include the son of a non-Jewish woman. Now, it's not stated here explicitly, but it would seem that he's not running after circumcision out of nowhere, but rather this was a case of intermarriage. A Jewish father, non-Jewish mother, and this fellow Yaakov, Ishkfar Nevuria, said, okay, the kid was born on Shabbos, do Mila on Shabbos. So after he finished his Hishtikul Torah, saying that Mila is broader than just the technical Jew, it includes the Jewish household, so it'll include this guy's non-Jewish wife's son. They're also part of the household. Rabbi Chagai said, Give him 40 lashes. He said, I just said a shtekel Torah. You're giving me malchus? He said, you gave a bad psak. That was not a good psak. He says, so from from where? Prove it. Ravia va'at shama. Crouch and listen. If a member of one of the nations, a non-Jew, comes to you, I want to become Jewish. On condition that the circumcision takes place on the Sabbath. If you don't want to do it on Shabbos, I'll take Yom Kippur. I want to become Jewish, but I want the circumcision. Shabbos or Yom Kippur, you choose. So Rabbi Chagai asks this fellow, Yaakov Ishkvar Nevuria, what do you say? Will you desecrate the Shabbos for him or not? He says he, he only wants in if you circumcise him on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. Have Yomer ein mechalin. He said, you're not mechala. You do not do it. Lefi she'ein mechalin Shabbos Yom Kippurim ela al b'nosh Yisrael b'vat. You do not desecrate Shabbos or Yom Kippur 
other than for the son of a Jew alone. The Jewess, Benah, Shal Yisrael Bilvat. The mother must be Jewish. Shal Yisrael Amalei Minahan. Ah, that's what he's saying. Fine, so you're saying no Mila on Shabbos and Yom Kippur for this case, but how do you know that you do have Mila for the son of a Jewish woman on Shabbos or Yom Kippur? How do you know that that case is true? Amalei Minahan. He said, here's the proof. Amalei Revie. Lahotzi Chol Nashim Vanolab Mehem. The, the verse states in Ezra, Yud Gimel, that they separated themselves from all of the women who are non-Jewish and from those born from them. So you see that they're obviously not included in the obligation of circumcision, of entering into the covenant, certainly not on Shabbos and Yom Kippur, altogether not. They separated from them. There's an intermarriage problem over there, and Ezra made a takana, and they, they, he broke up families. These women who were not Jewish and their children were separated from the Jewish men and the Jewish families. So you see, that these children are out. They certainly do not have a Mila on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. So, Yaakov Ishkvar Nevuria is not satisfied with this answer. Amalei, mina Kabbalah at Malkani. You want to give me lashes from a verse in Ezra? Lashes require a Torah violation. You're saying, I give a babsak. How can you? Just prove it from a book, from a verse in the book of Ezra. The verse says that they accepted to fulfill what the Torah says. This separation of the Jewish men from their non-Jewish wives and their non-Jewish children was a fulfillment of the Torah. So it doesn't, it's not just a rabbinic decree, it's not merely a takana of Ezra. The verse says, in accordance with what it says in the Torah, they fulfilled. Amalei me'ezu Torah. So Yaakov Ishkvar Nevuria says, from which Torah? I want a verse in the five books of Moses. De Amar velo sischaten bam. So he gives him a verse in the Torah. And you shall not intermarry with them. Lama, why is that the case? Because they will remove your son. Your son, a Jewish man's son from a Jewish woman, is called your son. And the son, the biological son, born from a non-Jewish woman or a maidservant, that is not called your son, rather it is called her son. Amalei chavot chavotach, dutava bikilata. And he said to him, strike your blow, for it is good to absorb. It's going to help him get the message. Again, it's somewhat ambiguous, but it does sound like it's Yaakov Ishkvar Nevuria accepting the psak and saying that it will help. But somebody is finalizing this and saying the Malchus will help get the message across. Amar Shlomo, Akol Ele, Amalti, King Solomon, back to King Solomon over here. For all of these, I have stood. Pashti, and I examined Ufarosha Shalpara Duma Chokarati, and I tried to understand some of the most esoteric facets of Torah, most challenging things to understand, specifically the red heifer. I tried to 
gain an insight into the internal consistency within how para aduma works, the red heifer works. And once I toiled and struggled and became wearied with trying to understand the internal consistency of the red heifer, Omarti, I declared, I sought to become wise, but wisdom is far from me. So that's the idea that the distance, you think it's easy. I thought, I'll just become wise. I'll just get the message. I'll just learn about it. But sometimes it takes getting knocked 40 lashes, not even once, twice. Sometimes the, dif- the distance between hearing the vart and feeling the vart, it's not the same. So Shlomo Melech realized that just wanting to understand is not necessarily enough to internalize the message. It was distant from him. And in a similar vein over here, this fellow Yaakov Ishkfar Nevorya, he had different shtiklach that were wrong. He was able to hear a vart that was right, but to really drive home the message of what is the true way to understand the Torah, so he needed to get hit. The, the message of Torah is not only absorbed through following of the intellect, but sometimes to straighten things out requires a hit. It's far from me to actually hear the Vart, to understand the internal consistency would require, in the ultimate sense, a perfect internal consistency. And a person would, would need to straighten himself out perfectly to achieve